0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I had a lot of friends to come, a lot of friends to go, as far as this earth is concerned, but I can testify that Jesus is as good as His Word. He is a friend that sticks closer than any brother, and I'm so very grateful for His Friendship tonight Well, turn in your Bible if you would please to the book of Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter number 24 And with the help of the Lord in just a few moments. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 18 of that chapter Deuteronomy chapter number 24 and verse number 18 now I told you a little earlier that I had a very special challenge for you tonight from the pages of the Word of God and before the message is over tonight you're going to see why uh, that i ask you to do what i'm getting ready to ask you to do i want you to think with me tonight of a name i want you to think of a name of someone as far as you know they have never trusted the lord jesus as their personal savior it could be the name of someone that maybe has a testimony of salvation But over the years, slowly but ever so surely, has drifted from the Lord and the things of the Lord to the point they're not even in church any longer. Maybe it's that name that God will lead you to write down on a piece of paper before the service is over tonight. Because we have been commanded in the pages of the Bible to make a difference in the lives of others. So I want you to think about that name tonight. Now, before we dismiss the service, I'm going to have you, if you would please, to write at least the first name of that individual. If you want to write more than that, that's more than fine. But at least write the first name of that individual tonight that God lays on your heart. Before we leave, I'm going to ask you to write it on a piece of paper, on an index card. And then after the service tonight, before the service tomorrow, should the Lord's Day is coming, Cassie and I are going to have a special prayer time this evening, and we're going to pray specifically over every single name. Before we lay our head on the pillow tonight that the church has so graciously provided, we're going to call every single name that's written on those cards in prayer. Now, we're going to be praying, but we're going to ask you to get involved when it comes to making a difference in the lives of others as well. So you just hang in there with me. Now, let's, I know we've all got many names. I, as I'm standing here, I'm thinking of name after name after name of individuals. Maybe it's a family member. I have family members that do not have a testimony of salvation. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a classmate. Uh, someone uh, that uh, whose path God has allowed your path to cross, as far as you know, they've never been saved, or maybe they are saved, but just ever so surely but slowly have drifted from God and the things of God. I want you to think of that name, and we're coming back to it before the service is over tonight. Have you found your place in Deuteronomy chapter 24? If so, would you please stand with me as we read the Word of God together. Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse number 18. We'll read the text and then consider the context of its writing throughout the introduction of the message tonight. The Bible says, but thou shalt remember. Thou wast a bondman in Egypt. And the Lord thy God redeemed thee thence. Therefore I command thee to do this thing. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field, and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. When thou beatest thine olive trees, Thou shalt not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. When thou gatherest the grapes of thy vineyard, thou shalt not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command thee to do this thing. With our Bibles open tonight, let's bow our heads, shall we, for a moment of prayer. Father, thank you for the inspired, inerrant, infallible, impeccable, indestructible word of the living God of glory. My Father, we would all be very, very wise in this place of worship tonight from the pulpit to the last pew in the building, to not only be hearers, but doers of thy word. So Father, would you please please help us tonight? I pray that you would do much more than challenge us. I pray you would change us, that we may be more like thee. Help me, I pray. I'm nothing without you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please be seated tonight. Let me once again call your attention, if I may, to verse number 18 of the text as this single verse of Scripture will be used as the key text of the message that God has laid on my heart for this evening's service. The Bible says in verse number 18 of Deuteronomy 24, but thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt And the Lord thy God redeemed thee thence. Therefore, I command thee to do this thing. With the help of the Lord tonight, I want to lift out the first four words of this single verse of Scripture and use those four words, if I may, as the title of my message tonight. Do you see those first four words in verse 18? Well, the Bible says, but thou shalt remember. Now, I want to back up and say those four words again and encourage you, if you would please, to say them with me tonight. Can we say those four words together? Let's say them, shall we? But thou shalt remember. I love reading and studying from the book of Deuteronomy. As you study this great book of the Old Testament of the Bible, you'll discover the name of the book actually explains the purpose of God inspiring its writing to begin with. I say that because by the time God used Moses to pin the book of Deuteronomy, that first generation of Israelites who were initially delivered out of the bondage of Egypt's land, with, of course, the exception of Joshua and Caleb, they had passed away. And therefore, there was a great need to remind that second generation of Israelites of the law of God as it had been delivered to God's people through the men of God. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly what the book of Deuteronomy does. I like what one Bible commentator said about the book of Deuteronomy when he said, reading through the chapters that make up this great book of the Old Testament of the Bible is sort of like taking a walk down memory lane. Because all throughout the book of Deuteronomy, there is a constant challenge for the people of God to remember. That is exactly why the name Deuteronomy has been given to this book of the Bible. The name simply means second law. Deuteronomy, second law. This is the record of Moses sharing the law of God with the people of God a second time. That's why all throughout the book, there is a constant challenge again for God's people to remember. Deuteronomy chapter 5, first portion of verse 15 says, And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 18 says, Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. Why, if you look at verse number nine of the very chapter in which we're studying from tonight, God told his people for the ministry of Moses, remember what the Lord thy God did unto Miriam, by the way, after that ye were come forth out of Egypt. So yes, again, let me say, all throughout the chapters, all throughout the verses that go to make up this great book of the Old Testament of the Bible, there is a constant challenge to remember. I'm so thankful for that challenge because I don't know about you. But the older I get, the more issues I am beginning to have remembering. I don't know if you... Run into this yet, Brother Haley. You're several years younger than I am, but let me tell you what you have to look forward to in the future. Sometimes I will walk into a room, and Brother Chad, forget why that I walked in. I see some of you are having some of this. I'm feeling better about myself all along. And I'll walk out of the room and walk in again, hoping that it'll trigger something up here. I'm telling you, I'm having issues the older I get. The more problems I'm beginning to have with remembering things. God knew we were made up of flesh and blood, and therefore there is a constant challenge to remember. It sort of reminds me of the story I once heard of two men that were getting older and they hadn't seen each other uh, sometime and uh, they had an acquaintance in the past and they wanted to rekindle their acquaintance again and so they began to strike up a conversation on the street corner. One friend said to another friend, You know, I, I, I finally found a doctor that has been able to help me with my memory loss. And immediately he had his buddy's attention because he was getting older and he was having some issues with remembering things. And he said, really? Well, if your doctor has helped you, maybe he can help me with my memory loss. What is your doctor's name? (laughs) And his buddy said, well, he said his name. He said his name now, How, what did the doctor say do when you had a hard time remember?" He said, "Hold on now, I, I know it's right on the tip of my tongue." He said, "Let me ask you this: What is the name of that long-stemmed flower that has thorns on it?" And his buddy said, "Oh, are you talking about a rose?" And his friend turned to his wife standing beside of him, and said, "Rose, what's the name of that doctor?" I can't remember his name." To save my life, now, brother, that man has issues with remembering. Amen. Uh, praise God. I, I'm not. I'm not that far gone yet, brother Johnson. But I'm getting there. Amen. And so, all throughout the book of Second Law, the book of Deuteronomy, there is a constant challenge. God says through the pen of Moses, "Hey, don't you forget. You better remember. Don't you forget." And in fact, here in the latter portion of Deuteronomy chapter number 24, we not only see an admonition for God's people to remember, for them to never forget, God specifically mentions three things directly from the Bible tonight, three things that He wanted His people never, never to forget. Can I call your attention before we dismiss tonight to those three things directly from your King James Bible? First of all, if you look in verse 18, our key text tonight, God's people were encouraged to remember their ruin. They were encouraged to remember their ruin. Let me show it to you tonight. God said to his people, according to verse 18, but thou shalt remember. Remember what, Lord? What is it that you would have us to never forget? Well, he answers in verse 18 by saying that thou wast a bondman in Egypt. And so here it is. Moses is encouraging God's people to remember their ruin. I mean, when you consider the context of Deuteronomy 24, it's almost as if Moses is saying, hey, people, here is the law of God. This is what thus saith the Lord. And here's why you ought to not only be hearers, but doers of the word of God. Because there was a day in your forefathers past when you guys were nothing more than slaves. Do you remember that? Notice the word bondman that is used in the text. It is a word that actually means slave and has primary reference to one that is held in captivity. And so Moses is simply reminding the people of God there was a time in their forefathers' past when they were held captive by the enemy in the land of Egypt. They had been slaves. They had been bondmen. No power to deliver themselves. No strength to set themselves free. God's people were encouraged and in fact admonished to remember their ruin. Now, as I hasten to make application tonight, can I say to you, sometimes I believe it would do every single one of us good to take a walk down memory lane and remember our ruin. Oh, I'm not talking about remembering specific sins that, thank God, God has not only forgiven, but... He has forgotten. But I am talking about remembering the depths that we were in when God came to us in the person of the Holy Spirit of God, brought us under old-fashioned conviction, and brought us to a point of true repentance, to the point that we turned from our sin to the Savior and was saved by His good grace. Hey, wasn't that exactly what the psalmist was doing in the 40th Psalm? You better believe he was. In the 40th Psalm the psalmist said I waited patiently for the Lord And he inclined unto me And heard my cry He brought me up also Out of an horrible pit Out of the miry clay And set my feet upon a rock And established my goings Do you want to know what the psalmist was doing In the 40th Psalm? I'll tell you what he was doing brother He was remembering everything I just read was in the past tense Do you know what the psalm? was doing, he took a walk down memory lane and he was remembering the depths of sin that he was in when God came to him and brought him up and also out of that horrible pit, amen? So I understand why God's people is admonished here in the text to remember their ruin. Let me say this and I'm moving tonight. Can I just be honest with you? One of the reasons why I think there are so many dull, drab, dry, discouraging, despondent. And I got a whole lot more D's I could put on there too. Independent, fundamental, temperamental Baptist today. somewhere or another. Brother, we got over it. We just got over it. Well, I got news for you, man. I ain't never got over it. I know that wouldn't add up in homiletics class, but every now and then, hey, I can't help but beat the pulpit, amen? I can't help but say amen. I can't help but throw a leg up, throw an arm in the air, because I know what I used to be and where I was when God came to me and picked me up. Yes, sir. Hey, sir. Have you ever taken a walk down memory lane? Yes, sir. I guarantee you. If you realize where you were, and what you were, and what you are now because of Jesus, I guarantee you, it'll cause you to at least write amen on a piece of paper and hold it up every now and then. Let me tell you something, I heard it all in the last 30 years. Preacher, you don't have to holler all that loud and shout and hoop and holler to worship the Lord you don't have to take a bath either buddy but it feels good when you do it (laughs) it? hey And I know I'm not saved because of my feelings. I'm not trusting my feelings tonight. I'm trusting the truth of the Word of God. But every now and then, there's something, hallelujah, there's something way down deep in the gable into my soul when I begin thinking about where I was and what I was and where I ought to be right now and the fact that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. I've never gotten over getting saved. And I don't care if it's South Dakota. I don't care if it's Minnesota or any other Oda. I'm going to give God glory and honor and praise because he's worthy. Hey, yes, he Amen. Amen. Yes, so God's people were encouraged. It'll be okay, I promise. <laughs> God's people were encouraged to remember their ruin. But wait a minute. God didn't leave his people in their ruin just as sure as they were admonished to remember their ruin, they were admonished to remember their redemption. Amen. Can I show it to you? Verse number 18 again. But thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt. That's our ruin. And, watch your Bible. The Lord thy God Redeemed the events. Now, listen, there's a lot of preaching that can and should be done right here. I realize uh, Israel was held in bondage in Egypt's land. God instructed them, not of Passover, to kill a lamb and to take the blood and to apply the blood over the doorposts and the lintels. You all know what it is, that's a picture of and what it's a type of it is a picture of the one that John the Baptist said would take away the sins of the world and he would not do that with the shedding of bull, bull's blood and goat's blood and lamb's blood. No, no sir he did it with a precious blood he did it with a powerful blood he did it with his personal blood he left the throne of glory the Lord Jesus did and was born of a virgin named Mary on that first Christmas morning he grew up and he lived 33 and one half years for the sole purpose of walking up a hill called Calvary. And there on a place called Calvary Jesus shed every drop of his blood and he did that to redeem you. And he did it to redeem me from my sin. Brother, I've never gotten over it and I have no desire to get over it. Thank God for his redemption. Do you know what that word redeemed means? The word redeem simply means to purchase by paying a price. You and I were born into sin. There was a price that God demanded as a sacrifice for sin, and you or I, either one, could have never paid it. So Jesus went to Calvary for us, and He shed His blood for us to pay a debt that He didn't owe because you and I owed a debt. We could have never paid. And you know, when you study your Bible, not one time, not one time in the Bible did God ever say, now, when you partake of the Lord's table, I want you to do it once a week or once a month or once a quarter. No, he never gave any indication as to how many times a month, how many times a quarter, how many times a year you and I as believers should observe the Lord's table. But he did say this, as oft as you do it you remember what he said do it in remembrance, remembrance of me right. you know what jesus is saying don't you ever forget yeah. don't you ever forget salvation might be free but salvation certainly isn't cheap right. it costs christ's blood on the cross of Calvary, all just as sure as you and I should remember our ruin, we should never, never, never forget our redemption. But wait just a minute. There's one other thing that God in the text admonishes us to never, never forget. And I've always found it interesting That God spends more time on this last order than He even did our redemption from our ruin. I wonder what it could be. Verse number 18 says, But thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt. That's our ruin. And the Lord thy God redeemed thee thence. That's our redemption. But look at the next word therefore of course the, there's a great message in the Bible in the therefores and in the wherefores of the Bible that word therefore just simply links what has just been said previously our redemption from our ruin to what is just getting ready to be said therefore since you've been redeemed from your ruin God says, This I command thee to do this thing. This isn't a suggestion to be ignored, it is a command to be obeyed. I command thee to do this thing. Verse 19 When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field and hast forgot a sheaf from the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. Verse 20, God's not through. He's driving this point home. Verse 20, when thou beatest thine olive tree, thou shalt not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. God's still not through. He's going to drive this point home in verse 21. When thou gatherest the grapes of thy vineyard, Thou shalt not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. And by the way, just in case you didn't hear me say it in verse 18, God says in verse 22 again, And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, therefore I command thee to do this thing. You know what God is saying? Since you have been redeemed from your ruin, you should never 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 forget you now have a responsibility to make a difference in the lives of others now time would not allow me tonight to give you the literal interpretation of the text as the text applies to the nation of Israel. But there is a literal interpretation of the text as it applies to the nation of Israel. But, hear me tonight, God didn't put this in His Bible just to take up space. Just as sure as there is a literal interpretation of the text for the nation of Israel... There is a spiritual application for those of us that have been saved today. Those of us, according to the New Testament of the Bible, that have been grafted in with the nation of Israel. So what is the scriptural application? What is the application for those of us that have been redeemed from our ruin today? Here it is. Now that we've been redeemed from our ruin, we should never, never, never forget that we have a responsibility as a part of God's family to make a difference in the lives of others who are hurting. Since our spiritual hunger has been fed, we should never forget that there are still millions around this world who have yet to partake of he that said, I am the bread of life. Since our spiritual thirst has been quenched, Pastor Haley, we should never, never, never forget that we're going to meet people on the street, probably before we lay our head on our pillow tonight, who have yet to partake of he that said, I am the water Now that we have been redeemed from our ruin, we have a responsibility to make a difference in the lives of others. Whether you've been saved five minutes or 50 years, you have a responsibility. Listen, so many people today think that it's only the pastor's responsibility to reach others with the gospel and to make a difference in the lives of others. It is the pastor's responsibility, but not only the pastor's responsibility. No, it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility. And it, isn't been, it hasn't been suggested, it has been commanded. I'll never forget, it was when I was pastoring my last church. Uh, a lot of folks ask me from time to time, do you, do you miss pastoring every day of my life? Now, I'm going to be honest with you, there's some things about it I don't miss. But every day of my life, there is something I miss about pastoring. I really do. The last church that I was blessed pastor, I was there 12 years before God sent me to the mission, Uh, and that was seven years ago now. It seems just like yesterday, but God blessed us with a wonderful ministry there, and every year, one of the, the things I really enjoyed about being a pastor is planning that church calendar and the administration and figuring things out and planning special days and And having this crowd go over here and reach this community and that crowd go over here and reach this Oh, it was a part of pastoring that I loved. And so every year during the 12 years that I was there at my last church, we would have one big day It it would be the biggest day of the entire year We'd have several special emphasis Sundays throughout the course of the year But one time a year we would have a big day and we would set goals Listen I'd have goals in every Sunday school class. I think we were running about five bus routes at that time. We would meet with all of the bus captains, and we would set goals on every bus route. Listen, I'd rather shoot for something and miss it and shoot at nothing and hit it, amen? And so we would have goals on top of goals, and we would pray, and we would fast, and we would knock doors, and we would pass out invitations, and we would plead with our lost neighbors please come to church on this day and boy I pray about a special gospel message to preach that day and boy it was just a wonderful wonderful day and I can't remember what year it was but I would take the last four Sunday nights before the big day and I would preach sort of right along the same lines I'm preaching tonight about making the difference in the lives of others and reaching out to others and being a soul winner and reaching our lost loved ones with the gospel and inviting folks to the house of God. And I'll never forget, I made a statement that night. It was a Sunday night. It was the Sunday night before the big day, the Sunday night before family and friend day. And I made this statement. Now, some of you have yet to invite your neighbors. Can I encourage you on the way out tonight? Go by the track rack and pick up a brochure from the church and invite your neighbors to family and friend day because we believe in world evangelism around here, but we also believe that it doesn't begin across the sea. World evangelism begins across the street. There was one young lady in the church, a young mother in the church, in her early 20s, heard her preacher say, world evangelism begins across the street. And God brought to her remembrance there was a family that had just moved in literally across the street from her house. You know what she did? She went by the track rack. And she picked up one brochure from the church. A lot like the brochures that your pastor has for you here at Elk Point Baptist Church. And that next day, she literally walked across the street from her house and knocked on the door of a house of a man and his family by the name of Brian. Brian came to the door. And when Brian came to the door, the young lady introduced herself. And she said, "Uh, yes, sir, I'm your neighbor. I live right across the street from you, and I'm a member. She told the member of our church, and she said, We're having family and friend day Sunday, and I'd love for you to come and be our special guest. Me and my husband and my children, we'll we'll reserve a place sitting by us next Sunday if you'll come and be our special guest. And when she asked him, Brian said, Well, you know what? It's amazing that you should knock on my door. We've just moved in, as I'm sure you know. He said, I'm a Christian. This is my wife. She's a Christian. This is my little boy, Brandon, and we're hoping when he gets old enough to understand his need of a Savior, he'll be saved too. But since we've just moved into the area, we don't have a good church to belong to and to be a part of. He said, you know what? We'll be there next Sunday. And so the young lady walked back across the street and next Sunday, lo and behold, when she stood at the door to see if Brian and his family would come, they came. Heard me preach. Next Sunday, they were back. Next Sunday, they were back. Next week, they were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. After the service, not long after that, they came to shake my hand on the way out the door, and Brian said, Preacher, we'd love to talk to you about becoming members of the church. We really feel that the Lord is Is leading us here and not only did Brian and his family join and become active members of our church they became very close friends with me and my family so not long after that I was preaching and I looked out on a Sunday morning and there sat Brian and his wife and his little boy and beside the three of them there was an elderly lady after I finished preaching that day Brian came out the door and he shook my hand and he said hey preacher he said did you see that lady who was sitting beside us this uh, morning and i said yeah yeah brian who was that and he said well that's my mama he told me her name and then he leaned in a little closer he said preacher pray for her she's lost she's never been saved and i said brian she's never been saved Is there anything I could do? I'll be glad to go visit. I I will reach out. Is there anything I could he said preacher You just keep doing what you're doing. I'm gonna try to get her back next week and lo and behold next Sunday She was back The next Sunday there was Brian his wife his little son his mother and There was an elderly gentleman sitting beside of his mother Going out the door that day Brian came up to me and he shook my hand and he said, hey, preacher, just, you see that fellow sitting with us back there on the next to the last row? I said, yeah, Brian, who is that? And he said, well, ask my stepdad. He told me his name. Then he leaned in a little closer. He said, preacher, pray for him. He's lost. He's Never been saved. I said, Brian, is there anything I could do? You know I'd do anything. He said, preacher, you just keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to try to get him back next Sunday. I'm praying. Please pray with me. So next Sunday, they were back. The next Sunday, they came to Sunday school. (laughs) I can't get my deacons to come to Sunday school. And they're coming. I look out. I'm standing at the door of my office. I had a glass door right there at the office complex. And I looked out, and here they come. All that whole family, Brian, his wife, his little boy, his mama, his stepdad, they're coming across the parking lot. They're coming to Sunday school. And, boy, the Holy Spirit of God nudged my heart and said, Man, today's a day. Today's the day. Man, I went in my office and I shut the door and I spent the entire Sunday school hour begging God to save that family, begging God to save Brian's mama and stepdad. And, boy, I got to preaching in a big way that Sunday. And boy, preacher, have you ever been preaching? And it it, it was just like, man, the Lord was on everything he was saying. You just felt this touch so much. And before I even realized it, boy, conviction had set in on the church that Sunday. And as I began to preach, before I'd even realized it, I was preaching about King Agrippa and the one that told the Apostle Paul, you remember, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And before I even realized it, I'd stepped down out of the pulpit into the aisle. And I'd pointed right back there at that next to the last row. And I said, to almost be saved is to be totally lost. And when I extended the invitation that Sunday, I noticed that Brian stepped out into the aisle. And when Brian stepped out into the aisle, his mama stepped out into the aisle with him. And she started walking towards the altar. And when she got about halfway, she broke out into a run. And she ran to the altar that day and asked God to come into her heart Amen. to forgive her of her sin as she got gloriously saved that Amen. day. The next Sunday morning, Brian stepped out into the aisle when I extended the invitation, and old Bill stepped out into the aisle. I still remember it to this day. And Bill started walking down the same aisle that his wife had walked down uh, the Previous Sunday, Bill knelt in the same place. Somebody took a Bible, led Bill to the Lord. Now, the story doesn't end there. Not long after that, I was preaching, and I looked back there on the next to the last row. There was Brian, his wife, his son, his mother, his stepdad, and there was about a 22-year-old young man sitting with him. After I finished preaching that day, Brian came out the door. He shook my hand. He said, hey, preacher, did you see that young man sitting with us this morning? I said, yes, Brian. Who's that? He said, well, that's that's a son from a previous marriage. He said, that was uh, my firstborn son. I was married before Marlene. And he said, it's a long story, but that's my firstborn son. And then he leaned in a little closer. He said, preacher, pray for him. He's lost. I said, Brian, is there anything? I-? He said, you just keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to try to win him to the Lord tomorrow. I'm going to get him back next Sunday. He's got one more Sunday with us before he flies back out to the northwest where he's going to college. And lo and behold, next Sunday he was there. I extended the invitation. Brian stepped out of the aisle and his son stepped out with him. Brian led his son to the same place that his grandmother and his step-grandfather had gotten saved. The last two weeks and led his firstborn son to the Lord. He got saved by the grace of God. Now the story doesn't end there. You remember that little little fella that Brian and his wife had been praying for? His name was Brandon. Well, think about it. Brandon had seen his mama get saved, he'd seen his pawpaw get saved, he'd seen his big brother get saved. He figured one Sunday night after I finished preaching, it'd be a good time for him to get saved too and so I extended the invitation Brian stepped out into the aisle again and little Brandon stepped out with him Brandon walked his son down to that same spot and took his Bible and showed Brandon from the Bible how to be saved I baptized Brian's mama I baptized Brian's stepdad I baptized little Brandon they all became active members of our church Brian's firstborn flew back and as far as I know I've never heard anything since I I understand he joined a, a church in the Northwest. I, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I know when he got saved. Can I remind you where all that got started? One young mama in the church. She wasn't a great orator. She wasn't a great speaker. She sung in the choir, but she never sung solos. She filled in at Children's Church every now and then. But she remembered her responsibility. And she took the gospel, not across the sea. And Lord knows I give my life to get the gospel across the sea. But we'd all be hypocrites if we'd be willing to send it across the sea and not across the street. She took the gospel across the street, determined to make a difference in the life of someone else. Do you know what she did? I'll tell you exactly what she did. She remembered her responsibility. Now, do you have the name? You got it? The name that we're going to be praying for tonight, the name that you, with God's help, are going to determine tonight to make a difference in. Your pastor has been so kind to help, and he has put pins out. I think Miss Melanie was kind enough to do that. She put these pins out here, and I have index cards. And what I would like for you to do tonight is as I pray, and I'm getting ready to pray, I want you to come this evening, take a pen, I want you to take an index card, and I want you to write as much or as little, because God knows their name anyway, of the name that God has laid on your heart. That's not enough. After you write the name, I want you to take one of these invitations from your church, which, by the way, has a clear presentation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ on them. You give me the name that you've written down, but you take the brochure. I wonder, I just wonder whose life you can make a difference in. I'll say this and i pray. Listen. There is someone that you know. They wouldn't give me or your preacher the time of day. But they'd listen to you. They wouldn't take this invitation from me. But brother, they'd take it from you. God has given you a responsibility. It's not just the preacher's job. It's your job. It's my job. God, help us to be faithful. To remember our responsibility. My Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for the Word of God. Oh, Lord, even as I have Reach tonight. I'm thinking of names. Tammy, Steve. I'm thinking of friends, acquaintances. Bob, Lauren, Ted, Butch. I'm thinking of individuals. As far as I know, they do not know you as Lord and as Savior. My Father, as these precious people write these names and leave these names at the altar, God, I pray that as they write the names on the cards, that you would write these names in their hearts. And then, Lord, as they take the gospel track, as they take the invitation to the church, which carries with it the gospel message, oh, my Father, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit of God as He works through the Word of God would bring people to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and Father help us to know and realize it's great to invite folks to church but people can get saved right there in their house right there on the job right there on the street corner and so help us God would you help us to remember our responsibility I'll thank you and I'll praise you for it. Pastor Haley's coming tonight. Folks are still writing some names down. Boy, we have a good stack of names that we're going to be